Welcome to the Play Piano by Ear podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about three different topics, and they each are involving piano theory. And I'm going to be talking about these topics and the way that they are traditionally taught versus the way that I believe they should be taught. And it's going to be different and opposite. So the way that these concepts, the three concepts that I will tell you in just a second, the way that they are typically taught is a little bit by a little bit, and you learn a few things and then you just keep building upon those few things until you arrive at the complete picture. The way that I think it should be taught is that you present the complete picture at the beginning and then build from there. Kind of like giving the framework and then giving shape to that framework. So the three concepts that I will be discussing today are rhythm and key signatures and, ah, what's the third one? I literally had a blank. Rhythm, key signatures, and intervals. That's it, intervals. Okay, so rhythm. This comes from a story that I was teaching um, one of my students last week. And he is in the um, one of the Faber Piano Adventures books. And we were discussing rhythm and different note values. And we were tying a lot of things together. So he had already learned the whole note. He had already learned the quarter note, the dotted half note, the half note and then eighth notes. We were barely getting into eighth notes and it cracks me up how fun students can be. The very first thing that they want to do, at least when I'm teaching them a new concept, is to know each end of the extreme. So this is true in regards to teaching them the metronome. How slow can it go? How fast can it go? It's also true in regards to teaching students note values and how many beats notes can have. So I had showed him how there's a note that is the whole note, which is four beats. But if you split that, you can split it into two half notes. And then if you split that, you can split each half note into two quarter notes. And then if you split a quarter note, you can split a quarter note into two eighth notes. And then it was like a light bulb went off in his head. And he was like, oh, so does that mean you can keep splitting these notes all the way down? And I, I said, yes. And so immediately he was like, okay, yes. How do I split the eighth note? And so then I showed him how to draw a 16th note and a 16th note has those two, um, flag looking things, uh, versus the eighth note has just one. And then he also understood and went, whoa, can you split the 16th note? And I said, yes, you can split that one into 32 into 32nd notes. And so anyway, he was making up these notes where eventually he drew, I don't know how many, it was like, 30 or 60 little flags on this one note, (laughs) which is technically kind of impossible to play that on the piano. It would just be too fast, but it was interesting for me just to see how when the light bulb went off or went on in his head, all of a sudden he was connecting all the dots and he went, oh, okay, so my notes can be uh, doubled this way or split this way. And we drew an entire music tree. And then I showed him how you have a triplet, which is three notes in one beat. Instead of one, two, three, four, you have triplet, two, three, four, triplet, 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 triplet. So after that, I showed him how you have notes that can be mixed up together. Like you can do a dotted eighth, let me get this right, <laughs> a dotted eighth note with a 16th note and combine those. Or you can do an eighth note combined with two 16th notes. And it was so neat to see him understand this because it was, it was when he understood that, 
he just started combining his own rhythms and making his own notes and then he said whoa we've covered this in music class but I've never understood how all these things link together and it was so fun and we spent the whole lesson on working on this I could just see that it was working he was understanding it so that was fun for me and then at the end of the lesson I told him I said hey this is piano theory that we're working on he goes what really that's piano theory because our piano theory book is usually an activity book or a workbook where we take our pencil and then fill in the blanks but I love showing my students how theory works on the piano and how you apply piano theory. I'm thinking, oh, if you don't teach students how you apply piano theory, how in the world are you going to, I mean, why would you even try to learn piano theory? The whole point of learning piano theory is to see how it applies on the piano. If you don't see how it applies on the, on the piano, then I mean, the teacher has failed. <laughs> so oh, piano theory is basically applying all the rules of music to the music. And so I'm going to talk about in this episode how I believe piano theory should be taught so that the whole picture can be seen at first. Also, one uh, side note is that when I was teaching this one student how to understand all of these note values, the reason that that light bulb moment happened and that he went, oh, I get it, is because we compared how all the notes and all the different beats relate to each other and how all of the counting works and how it's all divided. And then once he saw the whole picture, then he was able to go in and say, oh, okay, so this note works with this note. I keep calling them notes. I should be calling them beats. This beat works with this beat. And you can combine this amount of beat or counting with this other thing to make it fit in the 4-4 timing or the 3-4 timing. So once he understood that whole complete framework of the big idea, then he just ran with it. And then I gave him an assignment. I was like, okay, so your assignment this week is to come up with uh, 32 different combinations of rhythms that you could apply in a 4-4 measure. So I'm excited to see what he's going to come up with. So that is that is one, one thing involving rhythms. When you're teaching the whole concept of rhythms, oh, so important and so great to teach students the whole big picture first. Now, the next thing that I wanted to talk about, I'm going to talk about intervals first and then key signatures after that. But with intervals, I was also teaching a student this week and we were learning intervals and I find it's so fun to teach students intervals the very first time and to teach them all the intervals. Sometimes in theory books, they just introduce one interval, like here is the second, or here is the third, or here is the fourth. And I think that can be okay, but I think it can be just so helpful, vastly helpful, to teach a student the whole concept first, and then we go in and look at the specifics and how it all applies. So I was teaching a student intervals, and I said, okay, here's your two notes. And I just played C, and then I played D, and then I played them together, and I counted one, two and then boop played it together I said this is a second and then I played C D E and then played C and E together I said this is a third and then I just played C D E F and then I pressed C and F together and then my one student she goes that's a fourth and then I pressed C and G together she goes that's a fifth and then by that point she was just finding the intervals she played C and A and called it a sixth and then C and B and called it a seventh and then C and C. And then we just kept going with these intervals and it clicked. I saw how it, the idea um, solidified in her mind of, oh, interval means number of um, notes apart. Now, technically this is where 
piano theory comes in very helpful once you build that framework like that interval that those sets of intervals work well to uh to teach in that way because in the key of c it all works out on the white keys but when you apply this to another key signature which i'm going to talk about in just a second you're going to need more than just that basic introduction of intervals but the basic introduction of intervals was an interval is a certain number of steps apart and the note you start and stop on you also count those but the distance apart of those notes is what we call it so if it's two notes apart is a second if it's three notes apart it's a third if it's four notes apart it's a fourth presenting the intervals in this way helped her to understand oh okay there's a pattern to intervals and all i need to do is apply that pattern to my music and then I can understand what interval I'm playing. Now this is gonna come in very handy down the road when she's learning more key signatures because later when we get into learning intervals and applying them to other key signatures, we understand that intervals not only relate to how many notes apart they are on the piano, but technically it just refers to where the note sits on the scale degree. So let's say in the key of D, a third would be from D to F sharp. D, E, F sharp. That'd be steps one, two, three. And then you play D and F sharp together. Now we know from our key signature that in the key of D, F and C are automatically sharp. But if we were to have that key signature drawn and then just draw out all the notes of the D major scale on the staff, we would see eight notes lined up. Boop, 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 boop. And then if we just connected the dots, literally, <laughs> if we connected the notes and counted from the first note of that scale up to, you know, however, if you wanted to play a seventh, up to the seventh note of that scale, it would just look like one, one note head, one dot to another. Versus on the piano, it would start on D, but then it would end if our seventh, if we're playing a seventh, it would start on D and then end up there on C sharp. So it's going to be a white note with a black note when you're playing it on the piano, and it doesn't look like it follows seven steps. However, on the staff, when we look at it on the staff, it actually does look like we follow seven steps because those sharps are automatic in our key signature. Okay, so that was an example of how you can take the broad view, understanding, oh, generally intervals are a certain number of notes apart, but then apply it to deeper understanding of piano theory to know, oh, intervals are not technically just a number of notes apart. Technically, they are a certain number of scale degree notes apart or steps on the scale apart. And you have to apply the number to the steps on the scale and account for any accidentals or any sharps or flats in that key signature, which brings us to the third concept of today's podcast episode, the key signature. And then the final thing I'd like to talk about is key signatures, understanding the whole view of key signatures. So when piano is generally taught, students start playing in the key of C. And it just so happens and works out that all the notes in the key of C are just the white notes on the piano. However, if you play from a C to another C, bum 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 bum, then you will find that there are certain black keys in between some of the white keys. This creates a unique pattern. And this particular pattern, if you were to imagine that all the notes were just one, uh, one 
identical rectangular piece, like no difference in white and black pieces. And it was just all these piano notes for one thing, it would be very impossible to tell what note you were playing because they would all look the same. That's why some of the notes are raised is just so we can tell uh, what note we're on. But another thing that would happen is we would see how each note is an identical half step above the other note. So just because some of the notes are raised and some of the notes are um, level with the other white keys creates this pattern so that visually we can know where we're at on the piano. But the pattern that's created is the unique half step pattern according to any scale any key signature anywhere on the piano. So from a C to another C is a unique kind of scale, but when we apply that to a scale such as D or A or B or F sharp, it's so important for students to understand the half step pattern. Whole step, whole step, half step, whole step, whole step, whole step, half step. So two whole steps from C to D is a whole step. There's our first one from D to E is a whole step. There's our second one from E to F is a half step. And this is so much easier to see on the piano. But what I love to do when teaching the scale is to have students figure out the whole and the half step pattern and then apply that anywhere. So I'll teach them the whole and the half step pattern and then have them apply it to a key like D or A, which has a couple sharps. So then we'll have to think, okay, now, hmm, how am I going to take a whole step up from B? I can't go straight to C because as a half step, I can go to C sharp because there's my whole step. So after students apply it there, then I just jump them to a random key like D flat major or F sharp major. And we don't cover this on the staff. What we do is we cover it on the piano first and then I have them look at the piano keys and find each pattern for each of the scales and this is helping them understand how to apply that pattern per scale. Once they can apply that pattern per scale then they see the overall picture. Now they're not going to be able to immediately go and play in the key of F sharp major or to just cruise through that scale F sharp major or D flat major or something like that. It's going to take practice to get familiar with each of these things but as long as they have a general idea of the entire concept and also an idea that there are 12 major scales right from the get-go, then it gives them a great foundation to build on later. So those are the three main things that I wanted to talk about today and just lay a broad view and then an idea of how to go deeper into each of those things. So even with scales, the next step may be to get comfortable playing through each of those scales, but I like to have students find, oh, this is another random tangent. I love having students find a new scale by applying the three chords. I wasn't gonna go here for this episode, but I'm gonna throw it in because it's so fun to do. So if you're in a key on the circle of fifths, like let's say you are in the key of E and you want to play the E major scale. I love teaching chords first and then incorporating that into the scale later. And here's how you can use chords to figure out any scale. So you want to play the scale E, the E major scale. So you look at the chords on the circle of fifths and we see that E is the chord we want. That's our root chord. If we go one chord to the right and one chord to the left on the circle of fifths, we're going to technically find our five chord and our four chord. It's going to diatonically be the fifth chord of our scale and the fourth chord of our scale, but on the circle of fifths, it's just the right and the left chord. 
um, that surround E. So we have the E major chord. To the right, we have the B major chord. And to the left, we have the A major chord. And then I tell students, okay, so in each of those chords, you have some white and some black keys that you're playing. So just think about which keys you're playing and memorize any black keys that you're playing. And they go, okay, so they play the E major chord and they go, okay, so G sharp. I'm playing G sharp when I play this chord. And then they play the B major chord and they go, okay, I am playing D sharp and F sharp when I'm playing this chord. And then they play the A major chord and they know that they're playing the C sharp when they play that chord. And then I have them review. I say, okay, now think back to all the notes that you played when you played that, those three chords. What were all of your sharps? And then they'll recount and go G sharp, D sharp, F sharp, and C sharp. And so I say, okay, so we have the G and the D and the F and the C. So we, and I might have them write these down just so they know. Uh, and then I tell them to play all the white keys from E to E, starting at one E, and then going to the next E, and play all those white keys. But when they get to one of the keys that had the sharp, then play, oh, excuse me, just sneezed, wow. Then play the sharp. So, um, also I sneeze very quietly. <laughs> if you couldn't hear it, it's because it was just like, mm. So play from one E all the way up to the next E. When you come to a white key that should be the sharp, just go ahead and play the sharp instead of the white key. So it ends up being a very slow scale. They start at E and then they go up a note and play F sharp and then G sharp and then A and then B and then C sharp and then D sharp and then E. And then you have the whole major scale. Isn't that cool? You can use the chords to figure out the scale. Ah! Often it's taught the other way around. Often it's taught that you use the scale and then from the scale you use the one, four, and five um, diatonic chords pulled from that scale to find the chords in your key. So you can come about it either way, but I love the chord approach first because it is, um, it's easier to see the whole structure, I think, to approach it that way. Okay, that was a fun random tangent, and I hope that this episode helped you just to think about theory in a broader view, and to get inspired to understand theory, understand the why of piano theory, and then go from there to play more music. Woohoo!